Another day, another trade. You can pretty much expect uh, most of our shows up until the deadline to begin that way. Nate Evaldi to the Red Sox. We'll talk about that. Speaking of the Red Sox, very unlucky. I feel bad for you if you had Mookie Betts or J.D. Martinez or Andrew Benatendi in your lineup yesterday. All right, we got a lot for you on today's show, including some Steven Strasburg news, some Jose Altuve news, some Hey Real Quick, and we have the comedic stylings of Scott White and Heath Cummings. Say something funny, guys. Oh, goodness. <laughs> that was funny. I, I like that. I I've like got that? A, that worked? Yeah, I got a good. question. Uh-huh. Is Twitter supposed to be a perfect reflection of who you are? Or especially <laughs> our our positions in life, is it a little bit performance art? Probably a little bit performance art. I mean, that's that's entirely up to you how authentic and revealing you want to be. I mean, like I, it goes without saying, like it's it's not a stream of consciousness thing. You're like not you don't just have a thought and it gets translated word for word on Twitter. You put well, some thought into like, it, you make it look nice or funny or whatever. I'm pretty sure so, Chris Towers has that technology. <laughs> where he just goes right from his brain to Twitter. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Maybe. He, Maybe wired. he does. He is a prolific Where, where did this come from, Heath? Just a thought. All right. Okay, well, we'll look further into that. Um, let's get into the uh, the big trade. Nate Evaldi going to the Red Sox for Jalen Beeks. Evaldi, 79% owned. Eight walks, 53 strikeouts in 57 innings. What do you make of this stat? In three home starts with the Rays, Evaldi has a 2.12 ERA. In uh, seven road starts, a 5.18 ERA. Obviously, a park decrease, you know, a worse park for Evaldi. I, you know, I think it's a little bit deceiving because had, he had one terrible start at the Twins two starts ago that's boosting that road ERA. But, Scott, what do you make of that for Evaldi now going to Fenway Park instead of Tropicana? Well, Tampa is a great place to pitch. Fenway isn't a terrible place to pitch, but it's worse. Um you know, it, it it's hard to tell because the sample is so small. Uh, wow, Evaldi's ownership is back up to 79. That's actually better than I thought. I guess his last start after the terrible start was pretty good. And you've seen good signs from him. He's he's changed his secondary pitch. It's now a cutter. Uh, previously, I think it was a curveball. It, it was something different. And it, anyway, the, the, the smaller chain difference in velocity between his primary pitch and his secondary pitch seems to be making him a better swing and miss pitcher than ever before. But I think overall this trade is good news. Obviously he goes to the best team win loss wise in baseball. Um, But we hadn't really gotten to a point where we were totally sure Evaldi was worthwhile in the first place. So it's hard to get too, too excited about him. Heath. Yeah, I think this trade is good news for one statistic, and that's wins. It's probably bad news for ERA. It's maybe, I don't know in terms of how it's going to affect WHIP or anything, but I, I don't like it for his chances of getting his ERA back below four or getting it below four. He's always been kind of a mediocre type guy. I I'm, I'm don't think he should be as owned as highly as he is. And I'm probably only interested in using him if he has a great matchup or if he's in a pitcher's park or if he's a two-star pitcher. Mm-hmm. And he's going to pitch, Evaldi's going to pitch this weekend. He was supposed to pitch yesterday, which would have lined him up for two starts next week, I believe. I haven't checked the race schedule, but usually that's the case with uh, Wednesday pitchers. And that will not be the case. Uh, Evaldi will not be a two-star pitcher next week. A couple of other trades. Arizona acquired Matt Andrees from Tampa Bay for two minor leaguers. And Colorado is acquiring Senwan O from the Toronto Blue Jays. Heath, are these fantasy-relevant trades? Matt Andrees to the Diamondbacks, Senwan O to the Rockies. No. I, I think there's a, like, maybe there's a chance that you might want to add one of these guys in a deep, which all Roto League-specific <laughs> leagues are deep. So maybe in a full Roto NL only league, you're interested in somebody like Andres. He does have some strikeout upside, but for the most part, no. Alrighty. So, how you guys doing today? How we feeling? Doing good? Yeah, doing pretty good. How about you? Did you get a good night's sleep? Actually, no. uh, yeah, it wasn't bad. Two nights in a row. He's been, good. he's been pretty good. I need to know, though, I need to know if you feel like laying down the law today. You feel like bringing it, telling people what to do, 
Oh, I always feel like laying down the law. We are three dads, so yes. Oh, there you go. It's oh, yeah. time to regulate. Not yet. Not yet. But today we're going to regulate. It's been a while since we've done some fantasy regulation. If you have a league dispute, send an email to fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Fantasybaseball at cbsi.com and put fantasy regulators in the subject line. And we'll groove. Now, I would like for you to keep it sort of simple. You write like five paragraph essays and it's a little bit challenging. So just keep that in mind. But fantasy regulators, uh, put that in the subject line. As I mentioned, the Red Sox are winning 5 nothing in the second inning yesterday. Betts hit a three-run homer. Martinez and Benintendi homered. Uh, it was Bundy on the mound, right? It was Bundy. Yeah. Yep, he was getting he was getting throttled again. Yeah. Well, none of it counts. It's all it's all disappearing. <laughs> the game has been postponed uh, due to weather. Yeah. So that's a good thing. But you and, know, and since it was free fifth inning, it just gets wiped out. It's not like that situation where we had earlier, where Juan Soto homered, ended up homering prior to his major league debut because they resumed a game. It's not going to be resumed. It's just gone. It is gone. But Dylan Bundy, I actually didn't put him in the notes. Just. Re- you know, thinking about that now because he didn't have any stats, but he's 87% owned. Are we just about done with him? Because his previous three starts, he has given up a total of 15 earned runs in 12 and a third. Scott, uh, should we should we ditch Dylan Bundy? We actually had a pretty big argument about this uh, when you were gone. Huh. Um, Chris Towers is fully on board with that idea. He's... Dylan Bundy is what his numbers say he is, according to Chris. I think it's more complicated than that because there have been such extreme highs and lows from Dylan Bundy this year. There was a seven-start stretch prior to this three-start stretch. You could call it a four-start stretch if you want to include yesterday, but obviously that's not going to count for anything. So I'll I'll call it a three-start stretch still. There was a seven-start stretch immediately before that where he was I mean, he was basically ace-like. He was going seven, eight innings. He had a 14-strikeout start in there. Um, I don't know why he he loses it so suddenly and so dramatically. But even last year, there was some of that in his game. I think, I think in terms of career development, he's trending up in like a big-picture sense. But obviously... He's not in the circle of trust right now. Um, His supporting cast doesn't help his cause at all. And I I could see how you might drop him in a deeper league. I wouldn't drop him in any of my leagues, which are all 12 teams or deeper. But I can see how you might in a a shallow shallow league. In a shallow league, yeah. Scott, where were you on the... Because Chris and I had a fight over Sean Newcomb and Uh dropping him or holding him. Well, I, I I brought up that Sean Newcomb's numbers are actually pretty discouraging. Um, right. But I wasn't on board with dropping on that. Okay. That was taking it far. I mean, it, anytime you're talking about a league that's 10 teams or fewer, like that's that's so shallow that all but star-level players are susceptible to being dropped. But I don't think most people play in leagues that shallow, and I know I don't. Yeah, I've got, I have those two back-to-back in my rankings, is why I asked. And where are they in your rankings? Um, They're... They're dropping, but they're right in the 50s. Are they ahead of Nate Evaldi? We're talking about Dylan Bundy and Sean Oh, Newcomb. yeah. I'd much rather have them than Nate Evaldi because there's a chance that they are good, like really good starting pitchers. I don't really believe there's a chance that Nate Evaldi over the rest of the season puts together a 3-5 ERA and strikes out more than a batter inning. By the way, we are going to get into your rankings today. I picked out four kind of interesting things that I noticed in the rankings, including big disagreement on where to rank Alex Wood. Scott in the 50s, Heath in the 30s. Uh, JT oh, Ray- really? Yeah. <laughs> JT Realmuto. That's new. Yeah, weird. Uh, JT Realmuto, Scott has him number one. Heath has Realmuto top five, certainly, but Realmuto number one for Scott. Uh, we'll talk Cody Bellinger and Glaber Torres and where they're ranked as well. Uh, moving on. Let's do some hey real quick. Hey real quick. Trevor Bauer or Clayton Kershaw? Trevor, Tre- oh. Ooh, look what I was about to do there. I know my rankings say Kershaw, and I almost instinctively said Trevor Bauer. <laughs> yeah, well, I, maybe you should. I, my head says Kershaw. My stomach is a little queasy. Heath, Kershaw or Bauer? I will, I will still say Kershaw. 
Yeah. Bauer has 192 strikeouts. He is the second most strikeouts in baseball behind Chris Sale. He's the number seven starting pitcher in points, number six in Roto. Kershaw is three and five. He's got a 264 ERA. He's got 83 strikeouts and 81 and two thirds. He's got a 109 whip. That's all great, but it's not yeah. as good as Bauer. Well, and it's not as good as Kershaw, what we right. come to know Kershaw to be. That and the, but that's I mean that's that's part of the issue is okay Kershaw's velocity is down, his his strikeout rate, his swinging strike rate. Like there there are a lot of numbers for Kershaw that scream decline, right? And yet his base numbers are still really good so they're not otherworldly good like they used to be but they're still good uh i i think the biggest concern for me is that he's being limited to like six innings at a time now and maybe that's just because the dodgers are being extra careful with him with the dl time he's already had but uh to be that top 15 20 pitcher that uh that bauer certainly is you need to you need to have seven inning starts sometimes. Yeah, and I, I think it's interesting because if you just look at the six starts since he came back, and this kind of surprises me, he has a two forty eight ERA, less than a strikeout per inning, but his FIP is still two point seven six. This is Kershaw. This is Kershaw. Yeah, yeah. Kershaw. So, like, he has not been Clayton Kershaw since he came back. His well, numbers still look pretty phenomenal. Uh, is is it mostly a control thing, or has he not? Like, how many home runs is he allowed during that stretch? Because even he's dating back to two home runs. Uh, yeah, let me let me let me starts. look. Kershaw, obviously, you know Scott's got him eighth. He has him fourth. Bauer is the story, though. Bauer is truly breaking out. He is just uh, he has been exceptional. Um, buy, sell, hold, Trevor Bauer. Right, we're, like we're not selling. We we buy it, right? No, hold. You're, you're not hold. selling. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Next up. Hey, real quick. Chris Davis or Christian Yelich? Chris Davis with two home runs yesterday. That gives him six in his last four games. In those four games, he has gone from being the number 20 outfielder in fantasy to the number 10 outfielder in fantasy. And he did have a brief – he had a DL stint earlier this year, Davis, or just missed a little bit of time. He's only played 93 games. Anyway, Chris Davis or Christian Yelich, Heath, real quick. I'll say Christian Yelich still. Now, I'll- Listen, the way Chris Davis hits home runs in bunches, if you're asking me who do I want to play tonight, assuming both of them play, I would rather play Chris Davis because I think he may hit another home run. But if you're asking me over the rest of the season who's going to be better, I'll still say Yelich. Yeah, I agree. It's Chris Davis is known to have these power surges, and it's it's unfair to rank him while he's in the midst of one of those. And Yelich has been pretty hot too, by the way. Yeah, oh yeah, that's why I put him in. And Yelich... I mean, he's got a 500 slugging percentage. He's doing, it took him a little while, I think, but he's doing what we hoped. His home numbers, Christian Yelich is batting 316 with a 397 OBP, 569 slugging, nine home runs at home in 47 games. So he's taking advantage of the park shift, and he's been great. You get more average, you get more steals from Yelich, but you're going to get more home runs from Chris Davis. And You know what? The point is Chris Davis is doing is being Chris Davis, right? He's batting 253. He's... Gonna probably hit forty home runs. He's uh he's Chris Davis. Yeah, Did you see the the piece on the consistency of his batting average? I think it was on five thirty eight or something. No. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. If you look at his batting average over the last, I think it's five years now. Two forty four, two forty seven, two forty seven, two forty seven, two fifty three. Chris Davis is one of the most predictable players in fantasy, which is I love. I I love it. Uh, John Gray or Jamison Tyone. They both pitched last night. They both pitched very well. They're both showing some encouraging stuff. Hey, real quick, Scott, John Gray or Jamison Tyone? I will say John Gray. Ah. Obviously, that's me shooting for the stars, aiming for upside. But I, but it's it's he's looked good in his two starts back for the minors, and the underlying numbers are still phenomenal even if the era is inflated heath john gray or jameson tyone i have them ranked very similarly i do have gray ranked just a little bit higher i do think there's more upside there but like it's certainly looking like chris towers was right about jameson tyone in the breakout yeah and tyone now 11 straight starts allowing three earned runs or fewer they, you know, he just has that one problem he threw seven innings yesterday that was great but he only threw 86 pitches i believe 89 uh, just they they don't 
he's had bad numbers third time through the order, but uh, yeah, <laughs> been really. Yeah, good. that's. I mean, that's the thing. Like, he had a good start going deep yesterday, but um, I don't know. I'm still like he still has just kind of an average strikeout rate, an average WHIP, an average ERA, and a pretty short leash. I I just ran it since June first. He's made ten starts. Three of them have gone at least seven innings. That's pretty good. It is good, yeah. And he's got a two nine seven ERA and a three FIP over those ten starts. Yeah, it's it's pretty it, good. It's Tyone's pretty really good. good. Like he's he's a top forty type pitcher, but I think John Gray has the potential to be like top twenty. All right, news and notes, injuries, news and notes. Steven Strasburg is back on the DL. This is pretty late breaking as we record this, about nine thirty a.m. right now, Eastern time. So I don't know the specifics. It probably, it, you know, it's Roto World speculating shoulder because you know that's what he's had in, in previously this year. But Strasburg is back on the DL. Unbelievable! The man cannot stay healthy. Jose Altuve left with knee discomfort. They say it's minor. Chris Bryant. This may not be minor. He could go back on the DL with this shoulder injury. And I asked Chris Towers yesterday about Chris Bryant. Different spelling and no relation. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, if he's concerned about uh, Bryant rest of season and he said yes and i think it's valid for sure all right gary sanchez is going to miss about a month guys he's going to be out until at least late august so i i came up with some surprisingly good cat like came up with it like it was so hard i just looked at the last 28 days <laughs> some guys that uh have been surprisingly good mitch garver a lot of it the last two days for garver robinson chirinos only batting 231, but slugging 481 over his last 28 days. And we talked about him over the All-Star break. Torinos looked like a guy who could uh, have some positive regression. Austin Hedges is batting 316 with three homers. I think he homered yesterday over his last 28 days. 316, three homers. Uh, Elias Diaz for the Pirates has been pretty good. Austin Romine will get pretty regular at bats, I would think, for the Yankees. He wasn't very good when Sanchez went on the DL last month. Um, Garver, Torinos, Hedges, Diaz, Romine... Feel free to throw some other names in there. Guys, are there any catchers that stand out as Sanchez replacements? Chirinos is, is by far and away my favorite of that group. And I, I think he'll be pretty serviceable the rest of the year, borderline top 12 catcher. Robinson Chirinos. All right. Uh, cool. Scott, you yeah. want to say anything about I mean, that? That would be high on my list, too. Is like You do one thing well at catcher, it's Pretty much enough to set you apart, and that's what we're seeing with Chirinos now and the power. Joanna Cespedes is having surgery on both heels. Do you think Cespedes will ever be a fantasy must-start player again? Yeah, I think it will be. I mean, I'll be. I don't know. I'm hedging as I say it. <laughs> how, I think how, he will how, be, how, but how it's old not, will he be? Like, I'm not super confident. I'm trying to figure out how old he will be when he leaves the Mets. Like 35 or 6. He's, well, I mean, he's the all... best stretch of his career is with the Mets. So I don't know that that's fair. He's, 30, uh, he's 32 right now. And what does he have, three more years after this? Yeah. I, is that right? Yeah. Uh, two or three? Two more, two more years after this. After this? Okay. So uh, he'll be 33 in October. That means he'll be 35 when he leaves the Mets. If he gets back to full health in the second half next year, I think there's a good chance that he's a must-start fantasy option in the second half. I'm not sure. Like, I'm not sure where, where slash if he's going to be drafted next year. Moving on, Brandon Belt left with a hyperextended knee and will miss a few games. I meant to ask this yesterday, but what do you think about dropping Brandon Belt? He is 93% owned. He has been dreadful since coming off the DL before yesterday. Uh, in 31 games since coming off the DL, Belt was batting 229 with a 668 OPS. 15 walks, 21 strikeouts, so maybe it was just bad luck. At least the plate discipline was still there. But um, Brandon Belt looked like a looked like a breakout player. He's finally putting together average and power. Not anymore. Now he has a hyperextended knee. He's 93% owned. Scott, what, do you, what would you uh, say to the Brandon Belt owner? So it's 231 now since the DL with a 258 Babbitt. So I would say there's definitely some bad luck contributing there. And uh, I mean, it's a lot of it's been recent. A lot of the a lot of what's really brought his batting average down is just the fact that he's one for or two for 32 over his past eight games. You know, it's an 063 mark right there. I think he's fine. I think he's slumping. I want to drop him. I don't have any problem with dropping him. 
but I'm not actively trying to do it. There are first basemen out there that I think you could drop him for, and you know the name that I would say. Jake Bowers. Okay, and Zach Davies had a setback in his rehab. Corey Dickerson sat with a hamstring strain. Starling Marte was hit by a pitch. They're downplaying that. Brandon Morrow will not come off the DL when he's first eligible. We've seen Pedro Strope get two saves since Morrow went on the DL. Hugh Darvish is going to throw a bullpen session this weekend. Sergio Romo became the first pitcher to play third base in a game since 1971. And Albert Pujols passed Ken Griffey Jr. for sixth place on the all-time home run list. Who stood out to you on Wednesday, Heath Cummings? Well, I think Robbie Ray is the most obvious answer. Uh, Seven innings against the Cubs, just gave up one run. I would love it if he could go on another stretch where he's not giving up four or five runs or walking too many hitters. Um, I don't know that I can buy into this being a sign that that's going to happen, but it's an encouraging sign that maybe he can move in the right direction. Robbie Ray, two starts next week, Texas and San Francisco. He's starting them? <laughs> must must start. Ooh. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's earned, he's earned say, that. Yeah, but uh, that's, that, was, that was with more emphatically than I was going to say it. Yeah, wow. Must that. Must that. Two starts must against start. the Rangers and Giants? I'm in. Well, I know, but this was the only start since the DL stint that was decent. And it wasn't like, I, I don't know, maybe it was just because he only walked one guy and that, that makes enough of a difference on his own. It was his second worst swinging strike rate, sw- swinging strike start of the year. Um, so it's not like he went out there and dominated. Oh, no, he dominated. Seven innings, one run, six strikeouts. Like, you can't you can't worry about the swinging strikes with, with uh, Robbie Ray. He's got 81 strikeouts and 60 and two-thirds. You know, I, I am all for, and I think Scott may get on board with this. I've been trying to kill the win uh, for at least two years now. What if we replace the win in fantasy baseball with swinging strikes? You just get a point for every swinging strike and no points for wins. No. Yeah, Come no, on. We, we Stop it. Figure out a way Wins to, to uh, have a uniform recording of swinging strikes. That would help. Uh, all right, so good step in the right direction for Robbie, Robbie Ray. Scott, stand out for you from Wednesday's games. Tanner Roark, who in his previous six, his previous six starts was an 831 ERA. We talked about it a little yesterday. How you just There's no way you could use him right now. He'd been terrible. Uh, but he legitimately did dominate yesterday. Eight shutout innings with 11 strikeouts on 15 swinging strikes. Now, that's you, you feel like those numbers, the 11 strikeouts, the 15 swinging strikes, are pretty rare for Roark. But that's kind of what he was doing earlier this year. His first 10 starts, remember, he looked like uh, a fixture in your lineup. Had a 317 ERA back then with similar uh, similar dominance metrics going on there. Um I don't know what changed in this start. He said he had been being too quick to the plate and tried to slow down his delivery. He, in the past, he seemed like a guy who's really susceptible to um, shifty mechanics. Maybe he's about to go on another run. I'd, I'd be willing to take a flyer on him again because he's barely owned right now. Uh, 66%. 66%. Unless He's not as widely owned as I presumed he was and he's got probably the Mets, a better way to say it the Mets and uh, the Reds at home next week this is Tanner Roark we're talking about Mets and Reds at home would you rather would you drop Dylan Bundy for Tanner Roark I want it I would not I don't think I would either but I don't think they're that far apart would you rather have Roark or Nate Evaldi Roark <sighs> yeah Roark the, the standouts to me really have been the rookie starting pitchers they are having a really tough week and we're going to talk about them in a second. More important matter, though, to discuss here. Gentlemen, hair loss. Hair loss is real. Put your hands on top of your head. You might be losing your hair 66%. The same ownership as Tanner Roark. 66% of men lose their hair by age 35. Well, we've got a website that is here to help you, and that is forhims.com. And we've got a URL that's going to give you a great discount. Forhims.com slash FBT. It's F O R. H-I-M-S.com, forhims.com slash F-B-T. $5 for your first trial month while supplies last. All right, Hims for Hims. It is a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness for men. Uh, thanks to science, baldness can be optional. Our offer at 
forhims.com slash FBT is going to address the hair loss uh, portion of forhims.com. You're going to get well-known generic equivalents to name brand prescriptions to help you keep your hair. We're going to save you hundreds of bucks and a ton of time. You don't have to go to the doctor, no awkward uh, visits, no waiting in the waiting room. Just go online and get it done. So our listeners can get a trial month of hymns for just five bucks right now while supplies last. See the website for full details. This would cost hundreds if you went to the doctor or a pharmacy. Instead, five bucks for your first month. Forhims.com slash FBT. Forhims.com slash FBT. Quick bullpen notes. Anthony Swarzak got a two out two inning did it again. Two inning save <laughs> for the Mets. Robert Gazelman pitched the eighth. All right, two outs in the eighth anyway. Pitched the seventh. You're right, and Scott. Was because when you pitch, right, I that was a two outs. Right, I was really yeah. trying to do the math on that. Right. I was like, "How did Swarzak get a save if he pitched the ninth and tenth? Oh, that's wow." Well, you know what, Sergio Romo, since he appeared at third base, he got a save even though he isn't the last pitcher I in the know. line score. That's weird because he was in, and a pitcher came in after him, and then obviously switched back in and got the save. So that was... I didn't even know saves could work that way, frankly. Right. So Romo pitched... A, got, I think, an out of the eighth. Then... I think I think the first batter of the ninth was a lefty, so they brought in a lefty. They moved Romo to third. Romo came back and finished out the game with two more outs. And if you look at the box score, the last pitcher listed is not Sergio Romo, as Scott mentioned, even though Romo was the last pitcher to pitch... It's so weird. Um, okay, well, anyway, Swarzak is 3% owned. Do we care? I mean, obviously, if, if this leads to more saves, we care. But he's been so bad that I don't trust it will. Yeah. Swarzak has a 675 ERA for the Mets. Sir Anthony Dominguez got his 10th save. Victor Arano pitched the 7th in that game. He really did pitch the 7th, I promise. Uh, Brad Hand got a save for the Indians, and Cody Allen threw only 12 pitches the day before. Heath, do we have a controversy here? Is it it's too early to drop Brad Hand, who's now 80% owned? You know, yeah. I I think 80% owned doesn't sound – it sounds a little high still. But I think it's too early to drop him in a lot of leagues. See, he entered the game in the eighth when it was still a save situation, and then the Indians got another run – so it wouldn't have been a safe situation if they brought in Cody Allen. But okay. because Hand entered when it was, he got a save. All right. Well, that makes more sense. Uh, but, you know, it is worth mentioning. Cody Allen is not having a good year. He has a 483 ERA. No. So, and I still, when Andrew Miller comes back, I feel like Hand and him are kind of going to be redundant. And it makes more sense to turn the righty into a situational guy. But I don't know. I don't know if that's the way Francona is going to think of it. Jose Leclerc. Blew a save against the A's. He gave up a two-run homer to Chris Davis. Keone Kella was unavailable. Leclerc is having a nice year. 245 ERA, 19 walks, 53 strikeouts. 53 strikeouts and 36 and two-thirds. So we might have gotten a peek of what could happen if Kella uh, gets traded. Jose Leclerc got the chance and blew it. And Pedro Strope, like I mentioned, he's gotten two saves since Brandon Morrow went on the DL. Guys, it's been a rough week for rookie starting pitchers. It's a hitting environment these days. Uh, you know, you, you worry a little bit about these pitchers. They're not finished products. Walker Bueller has not had a quality start in his last five starts. And, and that's dating back to May 27th because he's been up and down. He's been hurt. Jack Flaherty, like he's pitching fine, but he's not pitching deep into games anymore. Uh, Shane Bieber got rocked two days ago. And Freddie Peralta gave up seven runs yesterday. So do you, you know, in general, we look at rookie starting pitchers. Scott, do you do you have lowered expectations for them? At this point, they, at this point, are. if a rookie came up, sorry, if a rookie came up, I would expect a rookie hitter in this environment of baseball to do better than a rookie pitcher. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like I am much more excited whenever a top hitting prospect gets called up than a top pitching prospect, because even if the top pitching prospect performs at the peak of his ability, he's probably not going to get the the leeway to pitch as many innings as he'll, he'd need to to compete with the established guys. Uh, that being said, I mean, Flaherty has obviously proven that he he deserves our trust and our confidence, even though the even though the 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 end results have been kind of shaky recently. Um, 
eight total hits in his past three starts. He was done in by two home runs yesterday. He he always seems to have just something little that goes wrong that, you know, the underlying numbers still look great. And there just something happens to kind of, yeah, to kind of to turn things on its side. But he's he's fine. He's really good. And uh, of the ones you mentioned here, he's the one I have by far the most confidence in. You're talking about Jack Flaherty. The other ones I mentioned were Bueller, Bieber, and Peralta. And Heath, these guys are all owned in 80% of leagues or more. Bieber, 79%. Uh, what's your take on these rookie pitchers? And I still want to own them, all of them. So I, I can't tell anybody that's too high of ownership. I, I think Flaherty, for me, is on a different level. I feel much more confidence in him, and I'm, I'm starting him pretty much always. Um, Bieber... His next start's going to be very important in terms of the uh, perception of his fantasy value, but I would rank the next three Mueller, Bieber, Peralta. Yeah, yeah you know, Peralta, it, I'm not so sure I want to own anymore, to be perfectly honest. I, I don't think there's a problem with it, with the upside, but he's three of his last four starts have been pretty ugly. And the walks are back, right? Yeah. 22 walks now and 43 and a third for Peralta. Now, all, all of these guys are listed as two-star pitchers. Peralta at the Dodgers and home against Colorado. Bieber at Minnesota and home against the Angels. Bueller has Milwaukee and Houston at home. And Flaherty has Colorado and at Pittsburgh. None of them have great matchups. I, you know, I'll say this about Bueller. I, I maybe am, I love his stuff. I, th- I think he's going to be really good. But I'm a little concerned that they just have so many guys. I mean, we talk about it all the time. But the Dodgers could easily remove him from the rotation, if not permanently, just temporarily. It could be very frustrating. So, I don't know. I might. I might be most. I might be willing to drop. I don't know. Most willing to drop him from this list, but I might be willing to drop Walker Bueller because I'm not sure I trust him to get consistent starts. What do you guys think? I, I I don't think trust is the right word to use for him. But in a points league, I'm not going to drop him because I want to be able to use him as a spark. And I do think he has the most upside of everyone not named Flaherty on this list. Yeah. All right. Well, well let's talk about who we are going to drop. The dropometer. Well, are we going to drop any of these guys? Zero to ten. Yeah, we did the Onometer yesterday. We're switching it up. We're doing the Dropometer today. 10 is absolutely dropping this guy, no question. Zero is, Adam, you haven't gotten any sleep. You have a newborn. You're an idiot. Why would you even ask? Not <laughs> dropping him. Andrew McCutcheon, 98% owned. In his last 33 games, he has a 649 OPS. Andrew McCutcheon, 0 to 10, Heath. Zero point zero zero zero. I want to add another zero mm. in there just to make sure that you get the point. Mm. Andrew McCutcheon. I thought you were going to have a one eventually. Might have the next Matt Carpenter stretch coming. Oh, okay. Well, he already wow. did. Yeah, the eighteen games before this bad stretch of thirty-three games, he had a ten fifty-two OPS with five homers, and I thought that he would, you know, that the streak would be prolonged. But yeah, he got cold again. Like, there's not anything to look at with Andrew McCutcheon. Yes, I'll clarify. He is striking out a little bit more often than he did last year or he has over his career. But it's 21.8%. I'm not worried about that. He's crushing the baseball. He's got a 26% line drive rate. He's cut his ground balls from last year, and it's below his career average. There's no reason for Andrew McCutcheon not be having success. He He has a low soft contact percentage, a very high hard contact percentage. I, I'm still starting, so I'm not dropping him. Scott, 0-10 to 10 for you on, dro- on the drop-o-meter for McCutcheon. I'll give it like a 2, because I feel like in categories leagues, I'm not sure, like in three outfielder categories leagues, which aren't that common. Um, no, they, they are on I'm other not, websites. I, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not sure he's going to have quite the power to measure up. Now, the points leagues... He walks so much um, that, you know, he obviously needs to be owned there. And in, ca- and in standard rotor leagues with five outfielders, you just have too many outfield spots to fill. So it would I, – I don't think it's unthinkable, though, in shallower three outfielder five-by-five five leagues. Just looking at the splits for McCutcheon, better batting average at home, 270 to 245, more power on the road. Not surprising. All right, next up on the drop-o-meter, Eric Hosmer. 92% owned. I, it really jumped off the page to me. He has a 697 OPS. That's awful. Eric Hosmer, 0 to 10 on the dropometer. 
He might be up to like a six now for me. In standard size leagues, uh, I, I could totally understand how he might be the worst player on your roster. And maybe you want to go for Jake Bowers over Hosmer at that point. I'm totally fine with it. He uh, he's not he's striking out a lot more than he has really at any point in his career. So I'm not hopeful of a lot of batting average correction here. And if he's not hitting for average, his entire career has shown if he doesn't hit for average, if he's not right around 300, he's just another guy at first base. I might even go as high as eight. Like I kind of thought maybe the strikeouts were a result of because Eric Cosmer talked about fly balls a little bit in the preseason. He's got a 60% ground ball rate now. It's, his ground ball rate has gone up. His fly ball rate is 17%. Hmm. All right, so would you rather have Hosmer or Jose Martinez? Uh, I think I'd rather have Jose Martinez and just hope that the the Cardinals don't go back to Jed Jerko whenever he's over this illness. I just hope that they trade him to an American League team for <laughs> something that they need right now. Would you rather have Hosmer or Justin Bohr? I'll still say Hosmer, but ugh. yeah, that's a close call. All right, I'll, I'll go Hos. I'll go Hosmer too, but I don't. I don't care that much to argue with somebody who says poor. <laughs> Next up on the dropometer, we have Paul DeYoung, eighty-two percent owned. Paul DeYoung, since coming off the DL on July sixth, is batting two nineteen with one home run, uh, four walks, to ten strikeouts. Yeah, he's really not having a great year, Paul DeYoung. Except I will say this about DeYoung: he has twenty walks this year in sixty-seven, fifty-seven games. Last year he had 21 walks in 108 games, so that's nice. Uh, but drop a, a meter lot for of good it's doing him, huh? Yeah, a lot of good. I don't feel like shortstop is in such a sorry state that we have to hold on to DeYoung just because. Oh, I have to have somebody at the position who might give me some power. I think there's enough to go around that we're not in that place. So, you know, standard roto league where you have a middle infield spot to fill. You know, you probably want to hold on to him there. But considering the spectrum of all leagues, I'll I'll give him like a seven for dropability. Heath? I'm going to give him a four. I still have a little bit more hope that he's just struggled a little bit coming off the disabled list. Adam, you mentioned that the walk numbers are up. The strikeout numbers are actually down just a little bit, and the swinging strike rate has dropped by 2%. So I, I think there's there's some reason for hope. And Scott's right about shortstop, but he does have that second base shortstop dual eligibility, so that helps him a little too. This DeYoung we're talking about. Heath, do you think we should get fantasy points for a decrease in swinging strike rate for hitters? Well, we don't have a stat that we count for hitters that's as stupid as wins, so I don't know if there's room for it. <laughs> what about RBI? RBI is pretty bad. Oh, it's pretty God. bad. RBI is bad? Like, if we want to start rewarding tendencies that reflect production... Like what game are we playing yeah, at yeah. that point? It's like, like it's like giving a pitcher a Cy Young award for his okay. tip. I said RBI is pretty bad. It's not on the spectrum of wins or losses. RBIs are not bad. RBI is a like, great stat. Love RBIs. <laughs> Kyle like wins Tucker. and losses are things teams do that you get fantasy points for. Oh wait, no, I have a few more. All right, uh, real quick, Jerson Profar, eighty percent owned, dropometer, Profar. Uh, I really like Jerkson Profar and think he has the potential to have a huge second half. So I'm going to give that a, I'm going to give him a four on the drop a meter. Yeah, I, I would probably be more likely to drop him than I would. Well, he's, he's eligible at every single position though. That helps. Really? I'll, every I'll, position, but pitcher and catcher. He's eligible. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'll say a four, just like DeYoung. Kyle Tucker, 70% owned, batting 154, has sat three of the last six games. All three of them were against lefties. Kyle Tucker, 70% owned, drop a meter. Trying to keep this calibrated. I think he's probably where Eric Cosmer is a six, maybe 6.5. He he could get hot and... You know, live up to all our hopes and dreams for him, but like I, you'll probably have another shot at him if that happens. If you dropped him now, I doubt there's going to be a rush to the waiver wire to add him if somebody sees that you dropped him. Kyle are we late? Are we late enough in the season to say that this is dependent on where your team's at? I feel like we are. Yeah, we're late in the season. Like we're not really in the second half. We're what 105 games into the season or something like that. So yeah, yeah we're roughly two thirds of the way. 
So as long as the Astros have him on the roster and have not sent him back down because they think he's just not ready yet, I don't really want to drop Kyle Tucker, and I will just use another Astro as an example of why, and it's Alex Bregman. And it's George Springer. George Springer in his first month in 2014 batted 182 with uh, no uh, two extra base hits, both doubles. So, yeah, they have a history of being patient. I just yeah, He has sat three of the last six games. All right, last one is Brandon Nimmo, 65% owned. Drop a meter for Nimmo, who, by the way, has batted seventh three straight games. All seven, all, excuse me, all three of those games in which Nimmo's batted seventh were against lefties, so he might lead off against righties. We don't know, but he's been demoted a little bit. Sixty-five percent on Brandon Nimmo. Drop a meter. Four. I might go just a little bit higher. Who I would mean, you rather own, going... Tucker or Nimmo? That's Nimmo. Entirely for me, dependent upon where my team is at As and in, what my roster looks like. If if I have a spot on the bench and I'm firmly in the playoffs, I'd rather have Tucker. All right, cool. Let's do some rankings talk. Haven't done enough of this this year. I apologize. Regulators coming up in a little bit. Also, John Lester, Jake Arietta were good yesterday. Tyler Skaggs was awesome, and Danny Duffy was terrible. So we'll try to get to all of that. And uh, today's matchups as well. All right. So, Alex Wood. Scott has Alex Wood 54th in both formats, points and roto. Heath has Alex Wood 39th in points and 28th in roto. Heath, you're the high guy on Alex Wood. Discuss. And I don't know that my perception of Alex Wood has changed a lot. So, this is probably more reflective of Scott hating Alex Wood's guts. Yeah. <laughs> what? Um, yep. But, like... It is true that his swinging strike rate has dropped by a point from last year. It's also higher than any year other than last year. His control has been phenomenal. His ERA is a little higher than what it should be. He's had a little bit of of bad luck. Been really bad with runners on base. 68% strand rate. But I, I, like if Alex Wood is starting a baseball game, I am starting Alex Wood. So, Scott, 50, it's not just a swinging strike rate. I'm sure Scott's going to point out the strikeouts themselves are, are way down for Wood. Is that what's bothering you? Well, I want, that's a, this is a good point to say like they're, they are down. He's still an average strikeout pitcher by K percentage. It's just that he's not walking anyone. His whip is, he's just, I'm not worried about it. Scott, 50s for Scott, for Alex Wood. So, I... I like Alex Wood. I've written a number of pieces over the year, years, basically just praising Alex Wood. So to say I don't like him, I think is erroneous on all accounts. But he's kind of boring. He, like, he doesn't have the upside of Vince Velasquez or Nick Pavetta or Zach Godley. These are some of the pitchers I rank just a little ahead of him. Um, so I'd, I'd rather own them. That being said, like, there's a chance they're going to slide behind him if they don't turn their ERAs around. I feel like Wood is going to stay right there in basically must-own territory, 54th overall. I mean, there's not a lot of leagues where a top 60 pitcher isn't being owned. Yeah, I feel like he is v- very trustworthy, especially in categories leagues, because you know the whip's going to be low, you know the ERA is going to be respectable. So... He's clearly not that guy we saw in the first half last year, but I think he's a fine pitcher. And, right. and his innings have been better lately. Six straight starts with at least six innings. Six straight quality starts for Alex Wood. JT Realmuto, Scott's got him as his number one overall catcher. Heath has him fourth in points, fifth in roto. Scott, make the case. JT Realmuto is better than all the rest. He's simply the best. I mean, just look at the numbers. I don't know. I don't know what more to say other than that. He has been... By far the best catcher on a per-game basis this year. Uh, the only I, I, the only one who I think was blocking him from that top spot was Gary Sanchez in the hopes he'd come back and be the Gary Sanchez we know him to be. But now that he's missing another month, there's no reason to have him ahead of Real Muto anymore. Uh, I mean, Buster Posey doesn't have Real Muto's power. Wilson Contreras hasn't been nearly as reliable at the plate this year as Real Muto has. Who else would be in that discussion? Gaddis, I guess. Gaddis, yeah. But he's he's not as well-rounded of a hitter. Oh, uh, you know, Real Muto. Heath just ruined this argument. 
because he just updated his rankings five minutes ago, and now Randall. I had not updated my rankings since Gary Sanchez went on the DL. Like I don't didn't think it made sense. To oh, okay, fine, fine. Have that discussion. <laughs> what so, he moved Real Muto number one? Nah, he moved him to third. So you moved? Oh, you just moved them up one spot ahead of Sanchez. I, I just no, I didn't move him at all. I just moved Sanchez down below all right, these guys. Right, 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 right. Um, and I'm open to the possibility that Real Moto will be the best catcher for the rest of the season. I don't think some of the stuff he's doing is completely sustainable. I don't necessarily buy that he's had a big increase in power. Like he's probably going to hit 20, but. His home run to fly ball ratio is well outside of his career norms. And there's not a ton of data to suggest that's real. All right, guys, pick one more. Uh, we'll t- pick one out of these two. Cody Bellinger or Glaber Torres? Bellinger. Bellinger, all right. Scott likes Bellinger more than Heath does, uh, I believe. Nope, nope, I'm wrong. Heath likes Bellinger more than Scott does. Scott has Bellinger 12th in points, 11th in roto. Heath has Bellinger, 8th in points, ninth in Roto at first base. So, Heath, tell me why you still have faith and you have Cody Bellinger as a top 10 first baseman. Sorry, I started uh, preparing my argument for why Cody Bellinger wasn't good, and now I have to make an argument for why Cody Bellinger <laughs> is good. So I'm just trying to trying to shift gears here. I first mean, base I think is he's good, too, so I don't even know that it's fair to categorize it in those terms. Yeah, I, like, I mean, he's a top 75 overall player for me. I'm, I'm trying to pull up my latest trade chart, but go ahead. So I, I would be curious who the first baseman that Scott has ahead of Cody Bellinger that I don't. Um, All right. Because I think that may be the so bigger difference. W- working backwards, JT Real Muto, which, you know, obviously I'm factoring in catcher eligibility there. I'm not sure that you are. Uh, Jesus Aguilar, Carlos Santana in a points league, only in a points league. Reese Hoskins, Jose Abreu, Matt Carpenter, Max Muncy. Matt Carpenter. Matt Car- no, Heath does not have Matt Carpenter ahead of, of Bellinger in Roto. In points, I think that's yes. the one, the only one that's really interesting. Because Real Moto, it's the catcher thing. Aguilar, I had some questions about how completely real that hot streak was, and now he's on a cold streak. Um, I should probably move Matt Carpenter ahead of Bellinger in Roto, too. I already had him well ahead of him in points. So, there. Debate solved. Okay, well, Bellinger, I mean, is really not doing very well. Do you guys think there's a buy low player here? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think there is. First of all, he's been more productive than you would think by looking at the raw numbers in points leagues. Secondly, uh, all the the underlying numbers say he's basically the player he was last year, and he's— not doing great in terms of BABIP. His home run to fly ball rate is suspiciously low, considering he's still hitting the ball hard and elevating it plenty. And those stupid RBI. He has 44 RBI in 101 games. That's, there it is. Stupid RBI. Cody Bellinger is is, uh, the number 12 first baseman of points. Number 13 in Roto. I'm going to give you guys a bunch of names, and I just want you to give me like one sentence on them. Uh, uh, Up to three sentences. I'll give you some leeway. Max Kepler. Max Kepler is 35% owned. He has been better lately. Scott, I know you were a Kepler guy earlier. Are you a Kepler guy now? Not so much anymore. I do like that... uh, I don't have the percentages in front of me. I haven't looked at them in That's a while. Way more than three yeah. sentences. Or, <laughs> or like a run-on sentence. Run on sentence. Uh-huh. I know, I know, I know. The BABIP is super low, but so is the line drive rate. So I'm not super confident he's going to see a big correction there. That's three sentences if you had just done that. Cool. Yeah, uh, pitchers. Don't. Heath, John Lester, six innings, one run, seven strikeouts. His first quality start in six starts, but he has a 306 ERA. Lester. He was due for regression. He had regression. I think he'll be a serviceable starting pitcher. You don't buy him. You don't sell him. You just hold him and start him most of the time. That was like six sentences. Uh, no, I had, those were commas, not periods. <laughs> they were kind of like rapid fire sentences there at the end. Yeah. A lot yeah. of really short ones. Jake Arietta, Scott, six innings, five hits, three runs, two earned, six strikeouts against the Dodgers. Been a little bit better lately. He's got a 318 ERA in his last five starts. Uh, 
Two starts for Arietta next week. One of them is at Boston. The other is home against Miami. Can't get much different than that. What do you think about Arietta? He's still not great, but he's been too trustworthy to drop. So go ahead and use him. Is he the that was exactly three sentences. Yeah, nice. Is he the second, third, fourth, or fifth best Phillies pitcher? He, you know, that's a good question. Uh, I think I have him ranked second. You, I could totally understand the argument that he is the fifth most upside of it. So, yeah. There you uh, go. Tyler Skaggs, Heath. Is he a stud? Is he a must-start guy? Well, he's got to be a must-start guy. Is, is he a stud, though? Tyler Skaggs. He's a top 30 starting pitcher. I would only say the top 20 are studs. He's a quasi-stud. Fringy starting pitchers. Who's your favorite in this group? Roark, Duffy, Mike Leake, and Irvin Santana. Well, I would have definitely said Duffy before yesterday. It's still... like His last seven starts, he's allowed 13 earned runs in two of them, and he's allowed to combine two earned runs in the other five. So that is super annoying. Um, and obviously had a great matchup yesterday. I think it, I think because of that, now I'm still going to have him number one. I'm not ready to totally move Roark ahead of him just because of one really good start. Duffy's had good strikeouts during the stretch. I still pretty much like him. It's Duffy and here's Heath's wild, wacky theory on Danny Duffy's bad start yesterday. He does not want to be traded. No, he tanked. <laughs> he threw the game. He, he does not. He, he's, he said over and over, he doesn't want to be traded. And maybe through the game, maybe it was just nerves thinking this could be his last start for the Royals, but he's fine. I, I mean, look, that really bothers me. Okay, that if that's the case with Danny Duffy, then he should be suspended from baseball for at least three months. It is absolutely yeah. unacceptable to throw a game, and quite frankly, I am regulating on Danny Duffy and regulating commish issues. Here we go. The fantasy regulators are back. This is from Derek in Poseyville. This is a funny one. All right, check it out. Derek says, tell me how Bush League my idea is. Season-long Roto League with weekly lineups. There are no limits on the number of roster moves for the season or the week. So guys like Jordan Hicks uh, are free agents right now, and Hicks would be picked up the minute that Bud Norris gets traded if that were to hypothetically happen. I have the number one priority on the waiver wire. That only helps me pick up guys who are on waivers, not free agents like Hicks. So, Mm -hmm. you know, in a lot of leagues, a guy's only on waivers if he gets dropped recently. Uh, However, with some shenanigans, I could move all of these guys to the waiver wire. On July 29th, I could drop my worst player and add Jordan Hicks. Then immediately drop Hicks and add Kirby Yates. Then immediately drop Yates for someone else and so on. Until every potential speculative trade deadline warrior is on waivers, and I would still have the number one waiver wire priority. Am I a complete butthole for even thinking of this? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, this this is clearly abusing that rule. And as a commissioner, I mean, I haven't encountered this since, like, we were all high schoolers and much more capable of being total jerks like this. But I shut that down stuff, that stuff down right away because, you know, it's one thing if you make a transaction and be like, oops, I meant to pick up this other guy instead. And so one guy ends up on waivers like that. Okay, whatever. But if you see somebody make five root moves in a row like this, you got to shut that stuff down. Derek, this is a complete jerk move. Yeah, it's pretty bad. But... No, you want to go no. back to an earlier sentence. No. There are no limits on the number Heath, of roster moves. Heath, you are way too. You are way too. If you too, want to stop this, make a rule. Okay, to but stop you shouldn't this. have to. Like, you there shouldn't have to. There is no rule. Right. Okay. Yeah, if you're the commissioner, you Derek, when you shouldn't have to over legislate. Yeah, I agree. Don't, no, you don't. I, I agree with Scott. Yeah. You know what? Of the rule. You know what? Over legislating well is here. enforcing rules that don't exist. You know, I I just think that practically practically speaking, if you're the commissioner, you're creating a league. You can't think of these things. You can't think, oh, someone might do this, so I better write a I rule about it. I did this in a football league last well, you're year. You're a jerk. You're, you're <laughs> a jerk. <laughs> and a guy that lost his quarterback. That's so. That's such a jerk move well, to no, do. Did, I, I think I remember you left the quarterbacks on your roster, right? You didn't just immediately drop them. That's a different situation. Like if, you, if you're wanting to block somebody from picking up a replacement in a position and you're willing to sacrifice your own roster space to do it, I think that's totally legit. Uh, all right, uh, but if next you're just up. if you're just exploiting the waiver 
you process. don't want this to happen. Change the rules. So, and it's very easy to change the rules. So right, let's everybody's keep always on waivers. Let's keep regulating. This is from Scott Schmidt from Arlington Heights, Illinois. Dear Lou, Bob, Stan, and Red. Lou, Bob, Stan, and Red. Heath, those are Cardinals Hall of Famers. That's uh, going to make you very happy. All right. Our 10-team league, our 10-team Roto League voted to have trading this year. So the commissioner has already made 19 trades. Eight of them are with the same team. My complaint is with the eight trades with the same team. They've traded 51 players, with some of the same players going back and forth. Both teams have benefited from these trades and are currently in first and fourth place. My argument with the commissioner, who's my friend and I share a team in another league with, is that when you make this many trades with another team, you're working together. At what point does trading with another team become collusion? No. I'm thinking maybe we should limit the amount of trades one team can make with another team and the total amount of trades one team can make. What do you think? Collusion is when you're combining your assets to benefit one team because, you know, the other person's in on it. They don't mind creating this shell of a team that's not going to compete because they're going to split the pot for this one team or whatever. That's collusion. If, if, if trades are helping both teams be competitive, that's exactly what trading's for. So you're cool so with pick, this? Picking up and dropping six guys, not cool. Trading 51 players. There's no, there's no rule against it. That's perfectly fine. It's, it's fine, just like the first one was. It's fine. The first one is not fine. Absolutely not fine. Uh, this is from Steve. It was brought to my attention. One of the managers in my league has been leaving his catcher spot empty and is carrying an extra pitcher. On Yahoo, it's technically allowed. Several managers complained about this, and I reached out to this manager via text. I said he was, quote, bending the rules by doing this. Here is his response. Uh, he's, he's leaving his catcher spot empty in case you all have forgotten. That's not a rule or an advantage. I've been wanting a catcher, but the free agents of catchers is crap right now. It's a 12-team, 5x5, head-to-head categories league. Uh, and daily roster moves one catcher spot. So this guy finally picked up a catcher briefly, but another manager noticed his catcher spot was still empty. I took it to a league vote via email, and the league voted overwhelmingly that this should not be allowed. Here is his email response. How are you planning to enforce this made-up-in-the-middle-of-the-season rule? This manager is an excellent fantasy baseball player who's won this league multiple times. He's a good guy. I'm very surprised at his response. Even though he's not technically breaking any rules, I think that in the spirit of good sportsmanship, he should be rostering a full team of batters. Do the fantasy regulators agree that this is a made-up rule um, that should not be imposed at midseason? Or should we make this guy have a catcher? What's your answer, Heath? 100% yes. I agree with the manager who was not carrying a catcher. If it's not... like I don't know how it is on... he, He plays on a different side. He doesn't play on CBS. I know on CBS you can set it up so that person is required to have every line of spill spot filled or it's an illegal lineup or they cannot do this you could it it's just all in the setup so uh you could set up the league so that this is illegal and he doesn't get credit if he doesn't have that catcher spot filled but if it's not then i think it is legal and you can't change that in the middle of the season and the other thing is you know there there might be a disadvantage to not having a catcher. It's not necessarily benefiting you. You're missing out on some catching stats, some counting stats, yeah. excuse me. So it's not I used to do this sometimes more in football actually. Um like if my starting tight end was on wave it was on bye for the week or something. I'd just rather than cut somebody who I didn't want to cut, I'd just go without a tight end that week and Yeah, but you would at least be rostering a tight end. And not using that. Well, I think I've even done else. it before where I just didn't have a good tight end and I couldn't decide who to drop. And so I might just not start a tight end that week. And I don't know that it worked out well for me, but it's something I've tried before. All right, I got to get out of here, guys. So uh, let's do the today's matchup super quick. Zach Godley at Tyler Chatwood. Start Godley. Dylan Covey at Nick Tropiano. Neither. Steve, nope. Steven Matz at Nick Kingham. Neither. I might Neither. start him. Maybe Kingham. Kingham. Yeah. Yeah, Kingham, I think, has earned it. Uh, who is this guy? Oh, it's a raised reliever against Alex Cobb. No thanks. Jake Junis at Sonny Gray. Neither. Oh, I'm starting Sonny Gray. Uh, but it's at Yankee Stadium, right? I know, but it's the Royals. But it's at Yankee so Stadium. Bad, right? He just did well against the Mets so at Yankee Stadium. Uh, I don't trust him. Yeah, I mean, it's late enough in the week. If you're making daily lineup decisions, then it's just, for me, comes down to whether you need the counting stats or the ratios more. Ranger Suarez at Tyler Malley. 
I'm fine with Malley. Uh, I'm not saying he's must start, but I'd be okay with that. Tommy Malone for the Nationals at Dan Straley. No. Neither. Tommy Malone? Yeah, I know. It's yeah, yep. Kyle Gibson and Brian Johnson. Uh, no, we're not starting Gibson at the the, the Red Sox. I might. I'm not. He's, he's like, I might. He's he's a legitimately top forty type pitcher. I think. Hot take that I'm not sure I believe. I probably don't believe I'm going to say it anyway. At the Red Sox is worse than at the Rockies. Dodgers at Braves. Rich Hill at Ar- Anibal Sanchez. I would start both. Trevor Cahill at Bartolo Colon. Neither. No. Wade Miley at Derek Rodriguez. Derek's fine. All right. I got my eye on uh, Trevor Cahill. He's 41% owned. He had a pretty good start last time out. Not great. Got my eye on him. He might be a little under-owned. All right, guys. That's it for today's show. Thank you very much. For Scott Verheath, I'm Adam. We'll talk to you on Friday. We'll take ahead uh, a sneak peek at next week. I have no idea what scoring period that's going to be. But we'll talk about it on tomorrow's show. See you later.